okay? Well, we're starting a new series today called Can We Be Friends, all right? And it's because the Lord has been speaking to us about healthy relationships, friendships, and if you like the nod to the show there on the, the graphic, it's pretty on the nose, but I like it. Um, I never got into the show, so this is not about the show. I don't know very much about it, but I'm a little bit too young for that, just barely. Just barely. I just missed it. You know those waves? Like, I just missed The Office. I just missed Friends. But, you know, at least with The Office, I'm trying to catch up. So, anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you that, except that maybe we could be friends one day and you would know these things about me. All right? We're starting this series to really impart kingdom friendship. What is it to be a kingdom friend? What does it look like? What do relationships look like? How many of you know that God himself is a small group? How many know that God believes in small group ministry? He is one. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God has never been alone. God is a community all by itself. <laughs> I know, you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And so the question today is what does that look like? What does true kingdom friendship look like? Okay, and this is just part one of this series. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, uh, leadership. We're going to be talking about, you know, even boundaries. You know, you need healthy boundaries. Some of y'all think boundaries is a four-letter word. You know, it's actually more than four. All right, you need boundaries, all right? And we're gonna be talking about a lot of different things around this topic, but today it's just setting a baseline and looking at the best friend ever. Okay, the person, the, the one person who is the best friend ever to walk the earth was Jesus. Jimmy just pointed at himself. He will get over it. It's okay, he was wrong. He went like this while I was saying that. No, Pastor Jimmy, you're a great friend. But Jesus... How does you there, bro? It's just the truth. When he was walking the earth, he modeled everything for us, right? Jesus is our model, amen? amen? Jesus should model your life. You shouldn't try to model Jesus after your life. Jesus should be the model for your life, amen? Yes. Come on, in church, we, we flirt with some dangerous territory when we try to make God fit into our lives. I don't even like asking Jesus into our heart. I don't even like that phrase because... It's like you're incorporating Jesus into you. That's not what's happening. You're dying. And he's coming to life. You're exchanging his life for yours. You're giving him your whole life, not incorporating him in. It's not Jesus incorporated. All right? It's Jesus, period. It's you go away and he comes to life in you. That's how it's supposed to work. So he's the model. He's the prototype. Amen? Jesus is the prototype for friendship, for relational uh, truth, right? Come on. And I just give you permission and permission for anyone else who comes up here and speaks. If we don't get to Jesus, if Jesus isn't spoken of in our messages, you have permission to publicly rebuke me on Facebook. Facebook Live that sucker and do it. <laughs> Say, this man did not mention Jesus once in his sermon. You have permission. If we don't get to Jesus being the central figure of our faith, then we are off, way off. If it's self-help, if it's good principles, but it doesn't mention the prince, we're in trouble. My friend Jim Baker actually says it this way, not the one you have heard of, the one you haven't heard of probably. He says, principles without the prince are closer to witchcraft than they are the kingdom. Because it's just you using a tool to get by. It's you using something. God is not to be used. God is to be known and to be followed. Are you with me? So Jesus is the model. He's the friend. He's the best friend ever. And he actually gave us a, a kind of an overview. 
in John 15. We're going to read it in a minute. And it really goes through some really key things that I've, the Lord just spoke to me about uh, that are vital for us to understand what a kingdom friendship looks like. He gives us an overview. It's really great. Um, aren't you thankful for the Bible that like those guys wrote stuff down? Aren't you thankful for that? I'm glad, you know, because John 15 is actually the night before Jesus goes to the cross and he's having a private conversation with his dearest friends. Jesus had one night to live and you know what he did? He spent it with his dearest friends. He didn't go around raising a few more people from the dead. He didn't go around getting more people to pray a prayer. Oh, I'm messing with you now. He didn't go around. He didn't like, we got to put one more revival meeting on tonight because I'm going to the cross tomorrow. We got to have one more crusade. He didn't do that. He didn't teach another sermon. He spent quality time with his most intimate friends. One night to live. What would you do? He got his closest friends and he poured into them one more time. He loved on them. That should say something to you. Come on. I'm glad that this was written down. I'm glad that this is a, uh, a private conversation we get to peer into. It's a model for us, okay? I want to read uh, John 15, verse 12 through 17. I want you to hear this really close. This is Jesus speaking to his dearest friends. He says, knowing he's going to the cross, he says, so this is my command. Say command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. No, it doesn't say, it doesn't say, this is my command. Go to church every Sunday or else. This is my command. Read your Bible for an hour a day. Fast when you're around your friends so they can see how miserable you are. He didn't say any of that. Come on, those, I'm not saying reading your Bible is bad. If you know me for like five minutes, you know, I love my Bible, okay? I was recently embarrassed by a compliment at a meeting where the minister was like, you know those people that just quote the scripture all the time and they know the address and people started pointing at me. My face went red. I'm like, he was talking fondly, but it was just embarrassing. He was like, oh, you? I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, it was embarrassing. But that's me. I love the Bible. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. I'm saying read your Bible out of relationship, not out of obligation. He said, this is my command. Love each other deeply. As much as I loved you. Now, that sounds like a tall order. I don't know about you, but like God loving us is a pretty perfect love. Amen. That's a that's a perfect love. And he said, yeah, love each other perfectly like I loved you. <laughs> You're like, oof, calm it down, Jesus. That's a little tough. You know, have you ever met a person that's not you? You ever met another person? Kind of hard to love. You know what I'm saying? I've met a people or two. I don't know. I've also been made aware of my person. And I know I'm not that great to live with sometimes. I got issues. Inauthenticity isn't one of them. Okay? I got problems. Right? Come on. You need to. Yeah, thank you. That's what I want to know from the room. Do you understand you got problems? You understand, like, you're not the only one who knows people who has problems. All those people you know, they know you too. All the people think, oh, yeah, they got a problem. They're thinking about you in their church somewhere right now. Okay? We got to start there. All right, Jesus said, love each other the way I loved you. That sounds like a tall order, except that he's the creator. And when creator speaks, he creates. So when he spoke, he gave you the ability to accomplish what he uttered. When he gives you a command, he builds in you the capacity to carry it. When he says, go and sin no more to the woman caught in adultery, she was able to go and sin no more. 
Because when he speaks, he creates. Let there be light. And there was light. When he speaks, something is formed. So when he said, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you, he gave you the ability to do it. Say, I'm able to do that. Say it like you mean it. I'm able to do that. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. This great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you're my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. It says, I've never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything I've heard from the Father. This is God speaking. He said, I want to confide in you. I don't want to just give you orders. I want to confide in you as a friend. Come on, this is mind-blowing. You didn't choose me, he goes on. But I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father, for my sake, he will give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. He bookends this passage with love one another deeply. When God repeats himself, you need to pay attention. Okay? Because when he speaks, he creates. He obviously needed to double portion that to you. Love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. He knew you need to hear it twice. Amen? Come on. Come on. Don't be so self-unaware. You know what I mean? Oh, I know I need to hear the Lord command me to love people. I mean, I drive in Florida on I-4. I know I need this command. I know you need this command. Okay? Listen, I don't just come up with stuff to come up here. Right? I seek the Lord, and I don't say anything unless I know the Lord wants you to hear it. Okay? So you need this word. Tell your neighbor they need this word. You need this word. Now, put your hand on your own head. Talk to the person who needs to hear it. Say, you also need this word. <laughs> okay. Come on. Jesus called them his friends. Called them his friends. How many of you heard Brian Simmons last week speak? Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? Incredible. I was looking in this passage and I found something that Brian talked about. I didn't know it was in there. But. It was amazing, and a confirmation. The Lord set it right up. Like, the Lord just gave me an alley-oop. He's like, Caleb, just, you know, just boom. You're going to look really cool. Just go ahead and just dunk it, all right? Here's a little baseline understanding for you. Our Bibles are written in Greek, but Jesus never spoke Greek, okay? Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying it was written in Greek so that it could go through the known world. That's important. It was a strategy of God, but he did not say, I call you my phileo, which is the Greek word friend there. He didn't say that word with his mouth. Yes, he said something that means that, but he didn't say that word. Are you with me? Are we okay? All right, all my Greek primacy friends on Facebook, don't hear what I'm not saying and write me that Facebook message. All right, I will not read it. I know who you are, okay? I pay attention how mad you are at me. Just leave me alone, it's fine. Every now and then I have to talk to Facebook because I forget, if I talk to them, they stop writing me. But if I don't talk to them, they keep writing me. I've seen a correlation here in the last three years. Okay, I'm sorry. That was for me. I'm just being a little selfish right now. It's for me. Uh, I'm not saying we should throw out the Greek text. I'm saying we should, we should understand Jesus spoke Aramaic for a reason. 
Okay? Did you know that biblical Greek is not spoken today? Did you know biblical Hebrew is not spoken today? Did you know biblical Aramaic is still spoken today on the streets of Syria? You find a Christian in Syria and say, recite the Lord's Prayer, they will say it the same way Jesus said it. It has been preserved. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall remain. When he speaks, he creates. He meant that in multiple layers, y'all. It's the only living language of the Bible. And we know what he said there. We know what the word friend in Aramaic is. We know what he said. If you remember last week, he used this word, racham. Racham. He said, you are my racham. And that means friend, but it has a homonym. It's actually the Aramaic word for womb. A womb. Like in a woman, a womb. I call you my womb friends. I have womb love for you. Come on, nobody loves you like your mama. Nobody believes in you like your mama. Nobody sacrifices for you like your mama. All right? A mom can have a kid pushing pills on the streets, and she'll go, oh, they're just practicing to be a pharmacist. You know? Mamas believe in you, bro. Right? Come on. And Jesus says, I have that womb love for you. I don't call you servants. I call you those I have a womb love with. Can't get much closer than the womb, y'all. You know, those you share a womb with, you're pretty close to. It's pretty tight, you know. Come on. So in this passage, he starts and ends it, like I said, with love one another deeply. And he gives us a model to have kingdom womb love friendship with each other. Isn't that amazing? Come on. So there's some keys in here. You know, we use the word keys in charismatic circles because they open doors, all right? I want you to, I want to give you some keys to open the doors to have deeper relationships, okay? Because you want them. Whether you know it or not, you do want deep relationships. You're designed for it, okay? It's true. So what, what does kingdom friendship look like? What does that womb love look like? Well, I see from this passage, we're just going to walk through it, that kingdom friends sacrifice for one another, Kingdom friends sacrifice for one another. If you go to the beginning of that John 15 passage, it says, this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. Say all. all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for us. We're supposed to lay down our life for our friends. Something you're going to learn in this series is that you can only have a few friends. You probably think you have way more friends than you actually do. Okay, you have people that you know, you have acquaintances, you have relationships with people. You can have thousands of relationships, but very few friends. There's only so much room in your womb. We're talking womb love, lay down your life for your friends. If you do that right, you really can only do it once. Give your life for someone, you've only got one of those. That's really the deal here. And you gotta understand, Jesus had three that he was always with, 12 he was often with, and thousands he was sometimes with. And we want to be friends with thousands. No, Jesus didn't even try that. If the Son of God made manifest in the flesh can't pull it off, you shouldn't try. Not everyone had the same access to Jesus, all right? Some of you all want from me and your campus pastors what you can only get from Jesus. Listen, there are people in my life that if they call me, I'm answering the phone. Right now, there's very few of them. My wife is one of them. 
she knows what I'm doing. If she called me right now, y'all would just have to hang out for a second. Because I would pick up that phone call. Are you with me? Yeah, she has that access to me. No one else really has that access to me. A couple other people, if they called and they know what I'm doing, I would answer it in front of you all. Absolutely. But there's very few of those. All right. I joke that Jimmy is kind of like my work, work wife because he's the exact male representation of Jamadi. He is the same personality type, everything. It's crazy. I'm not, not kidding. Don't get weird or hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying, Jimmy, if it hurts Jimmy, it's going to hurt Jamadi. If, it, if Jimmy is into it, Jamadi be into it. It's like this crazy, the Lord knew I needed help, you know. It helps me. I'm like, okay, never say that to Jamadi. That hurt him. Never say that, you know. Whatever. It's true. Jimmy and I have a womb love friendship that I won't have with the rest of you all. But Jimmy and I don't have the same friendship my wife and I have. My wife's the only one who gets my pillow talk. All right? Listen. I'm going to let you laugh through this one, but some of y'all want spiritual pillow talk from me, and you ain't going to get it. Some of you are feeling rejected by church leaders because you're expecting something that only Jesus can give and only a spouse can give and only those few womb friends can give. Oh, he doesn't even know my name. Get over it. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing through this. We can laugh through it together. A little bit of anesthesia for the surgery, you know? And someone, seriously, some, some people church hop because they feel rejected and they're laying on the pastor or the leaders the thing that they cannot fulfill. You'll never get spiritual pillow talk from me. You'll never know the depths of my whole heart, ever. Ever. I'm open with you. I'm authentic with you. But you don't get into the spot that my deep womb love friends get into. Come on. I know this is breaking a paradigm because everybody's like, pastors, you know, if you call them at midnight, they're there. No, 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 no. You're like, well, who am I going to call? Well, hopefully you will heal past all of your trauma and pain and get in deep relationships with some people you can call. Are you with me? Can we be friends? Yes, but not like that. You know, like the age-old thing. You know why pastors and leaders burn out? You know, there's like how many leaving the ministry every month? It's because you're putting that expectation on them. And they're not designed to do that. We can have relationships. I can be in relationship with you, but I can't have womb love for all 350 people at our church. I can care for you from here, but I can't be there every second of every day. You with me? You need to just lose that expectation. Put it on the Lord. Because he never leaves you nor forsakes you. And he will bring people into your life who can have that sacrificial love. The ones who lay down their lives for you. And I'm not talking about crisis, okay? I'm not talking about in moments of crisis, if something horrible is going on, like, you know, whatever. I would jump in front of a, a bullet for any one of you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in your daily life. Sacrificing your daily life for someone. My wife gets my first sacrifice. No one else will get that. My children are second. And then everybody else comes after that. Okay? Even my womb love friends, if they call me and I can't pick up, they're going to have to deal. Because I'm talking to my wife or with my boys or whatever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to get healthy boundaries back in the church, man. We got to do it. And we need to understand that we're all called to have these kind of friendships where we sacrifice everything for them. But you can't sacrifice everything for everyone. 
Are you with me? So important. This is what kingdom friendship looks like. So yes, we're to lay down our lives for each other, but it's not for every single person you meet. Paul, I'm sorry, in John, 1 John, Paul's later. 1 John explains the same sacrificial love. 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, that's brothers and sisters, the people of God. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It's got to hit your feet, man. you got to be willing to go. Certain people call me at midnight, I'm picking up the phone, I'm going. Certain people need something, I'm going. When Jimmy Borrego moves, I'll help him. But he's the only one I'm helping move. They're getting a house. That's exciting. We're praising the Lord for that. Come on. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. The Lord's provision. I hate moving, but I'll move him. Fine. I will. And I won't even throw a fit about it the day of. But every day leading up, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I hate moving, bro. I hate it. But I'll do that for you, man. I got womb love for you. I will. I know you're like, that's silly. No, I really hate moving. I detest it. Okay? And that man's moved a lot of my stuff, so, you know what I'm saying? Two-way street here. Sacrifice. Kingdom friends, sacrifice. Say sacrifice. Kingdom friends are vulnerable with each other. They sacrifice for each other, and they're vulnerable for each other. Jesus said in that passage in John 15, you know that you're my intimate friends. You show that you're my intimate friends when you obey all I command you. Say intimate. That's intimacy. Intimacy you see. That's what that word means. You show your my intimacy, you see, friends. You're the ones who see inside of me. You're the ones who see my whole heart when you do what I command you. You're proving it. I've, called, I've never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. Come on. But I call you my most intimate friends for I reveal to you everything that I heard from my father. Jesus is saying, I'm wide open to you, man. You know, the crowds, he only spoke in a parable to the crowds. He spoke in mysteries and metaphor, but with his friends, he revealed everything. He let them ask any question they wanted. He was open with them. Yeah, this is what kingdom friendship looks like. You can't be vulnerable with everyone. You shouldn't be vulnerable with everyone. Not everyone is safe to be vulnerable with, number one. Not, number two, not everybody wants to know all your stuff. Pastor Jimmy has a great story about the grocery store and like just word vomiting on the, the cashier. I don't remember the whole story, but he was just like, in the moment, he realized, oh my gosh, I'm giving this woman way too much information about my life. She asked how I was doing, but she wasn't asking that question. You know, how are you? You know, well, I, you know, I got this thing. He just starts, it's like, you're at Publix, bro. You know, there's only a few people you should be vulnerable, vulnerable with, and that takes risk. It takes you stepping past your trauma, taking stepping past your fear of, of being hurt, you know? But Jesus modeled it. He said, I'm not, you're not here to just serve. I'm, you're here to be known. We're not just supposed to serve one another. We're supposed to know one another. I know my people. I know Scott. We know each other. He knows I don't like it when he says easy tiger to me. 
We had a conversation about it. He was just saying, oh, like, oh, my gosh, let me understand you. But I heard, you know, something else. And he kept saying, easy, Tiger. And I was like, right in front of Jimmy, too. You remember this? I was like, okay, when you say that, I feel really small. And I don't think you mean to make me feel really small. Could you please not say that anymore? And he's like, I am so sorry. Right? He quickly, he's like, forgive me. I didn't know. I'm like, well, now you know. Look what's happening in here when you say that word. I don't like it. That was me stepping, being vulnerable with Scott, saying, listen, that hurts. Please stop. And he goes, oh, my, I'm, I had no idea I was hurting you. That's kingdom friendship right there. Instead of going, I can't stand it when he calls me. He says, easy, tiger. Going home, complaining to my wife, calling three people on the prayer team. Would you pray for Scott? He keeps on just, just being totally disrespectful. He's got heart issues for sure. That's not vulnerability. That's gossip. Okay. Jesus confided in his friends. Think of this. This is God saying, I want to confide in you. Like my friend Ben here on the front row. It's like, I want Ben to know. I just got to tell Ben some stuff. Listen, some of y'all who are uber prophetic, you need to discern whether God is just confiding in you or if you're supposed to do something with that. Sometimes God just tells you about stuff that you're not supposed to blab about or even tell them that you know. Sometimes you'll get a download for someone in your friend group. You're like, oh, I got to tell them. No, no, you don't. Sometimes God just confides in his friends so you can pray. Come on. God wants to confide in you. He doesn't call you a servant. He doesn't say serve me. He says know me. Yes, we're called to serve the Lord. I'm a bond slave of the Lord. I'm a doulos of God. Okay? I'm one who's chosen to serve the Lord. That's what a doulos is. A loving servant of God. I am one of those. If you remember our Apocalypse House series, I talked about this. I'm one of those for sure. But Jesus doesn't label me that. I serve him willingly. He calls me his friend. I just want to know you. I want you to know me. Being vulnerable is the key here. Remember when I said Jesus had the womb love, the mother's love, you know, for them? You remember that? Just like five minutes ago, ten minutes ago. I didn't lose you, right? We're, we're still in the same. Okay. It's third time I preached this today. I've been driving back and forth, making sure I said the right stuff, you know. Paul had this same kind of love for the church that he planted, okay? He's writing to uh, the Thessalonians, okay, the church in Thessalonica, the Thessalonian church. It's a hard word to say. I watch too much VeggieTales, you know, or Thessalonians. That's how they say it on VeggieTales. It's in my brain. It's like in there. I saw it at VBS, I'm sure, you know, it's in there. He wrote to them, and he said this. After planting the church and going, he says, with a mother's love and affectionate attachment to you, we were very happy to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives because you had become so dear to us. Come on, this is the great and mighty Apostle Paul saying, like a mother's love. That's how I opened myself. He didn't say, you remember those, you know, all those miracles that did? He doesn't say, remember that? great sermon I preached. He's like, no, you remember I shared my life with you? Remember my very life was yours? The Greek here is literally pulling a woman, pulling a child to her breast to nurse. That's the Greek word Paul uses. Okay. Takes some real masculinity to talk like that. Okay. Come on. Biblical masculinity is coming back. It's coming back where I am not insecure. I'm just not. Okay. You don't make me insecure. In fact, no one makes you insecure. 
It's a choice to find your security outside of him. If you're in him, that's your security. All right. That's my insurance. I'm sure that I'm in him. So whatever. Come what may. He said, with a mother's love and affectionate, affectionate attachment to you, we were happy to share not only the gospel, but our lives. Come on. Come on. That's how he saw the church. That's how he saw those he left behind to, to preach, to lead the church. That's how he saw them. It's like, remember I share with you my life? Do that. Do that with others. This is vulnerability. That's pretty vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a child on its mother's breast. That's, I mean, I don't know how much more vulnerable you can get. You know? That's what's going on here. So kingdom friends sacrifice, but they're also vulnerable. They don't just serve one another. They know one another. And third thing, kingdom friends believe in each other's calling. They believe in each other's calling. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. He said, I commissioned you to bear fruit, and your fruit will remain. What is he saying? He's saying, I gave you a calling, and it's going to happen. You're going to carry the calling to bear fruit. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. All you do is ask the Father, and he'll give you anything you need. I know you will bear fruit. I know your fruit will remain. And their fruit did remain. He's talking to the guys who wrote this down. We are their fruits. Right? Come on. Jesus was saying he chose them and knew they would be fruitful. We also need to champion the calling of our friends, not be intimidated by it. I want all of my friends to grow beyond me. I want all of my friends who are called to preach to preach better than me. I want all of my friends who are called to lead to lead better than me. That doesn't mean I slow down or lower the bar. Okay, a whole lot of talk about this kind of concept where we just need to lower the bar so everybody can jump over it. That's not kingdom. We need to call people up to their destiny. Say, you can do it. You need to find your friends and pour gas on their fire and say, you can do this. You have every opportunity right now. No matter what's happened to you, where you come from, Jesus in you, Christ in you is the hero of your story, and you can do it. That's what Jesus was saying. Shouldn't be intimidated. Like, I was just in South Tampa with Pastor Abraham, and he's translating for me. I'm not intimidated by his evangelism gift. I'm not. The man leads more people to Jesus in a week than I have in a year. He does. It's just constant. I'm not intimidated. I need that. I get around him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, some people don't know Jesus. You know, I like, I have a lens on. I'm like, because I'm called to the saints. I'm called to mature the saints in love. So I just kind of ignorantly assume, oh, yeah, you probably know Jesus. They probably know Jesus. And I'm just start teaching about you. They're like, who are you talking about? I'm like, oh, let me introduce you to him. But Abraham, he's like, he's thinking about eternity. He's thinking about, do they know the Lord all the time? I'm not intimidated. I'm not insecure. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I want to pour gas on that. Not be like, oh, I can't give him the mic because people think he's more anointed than me. This is what happens. It's okay. Never mind. Just got the handbrake from Holy Ghost. Don't say that. Okay. It happens. Pastors and leaders are intimidated often by the calling of their peers and the people of their church. You will not find that here. I ain't slowing down for you, so you best get in the game, y'all. I want you to go beyond me. That means you got to go. You, I, you want to hear what I'm saying? I'm going to run harder than ever. I'm going to keep, I'm going to go from glory to glory. You best keep up, and I believe in you. You can go beyond me. That's how I do it. There will be a day where I won't even show up, and no one will notice at the resting place. 
There will be a day where people won't go, where was Caleb? They won't even notice. Because you'll be so wrecked by the glory of God coming out of those who are leading. You'll just be like, oh, Caleb, who? Who leads this church? Oh, Jesus, I think, you know? I'm telling you, there will be a day. That's what foundations do. That's what support systems do. That's apostolic ministry. You're supposed to disappear. <laughs> if I shine bright enough, you won't even see my light. You'll see the room. This is what Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. He said, he's writing a letter. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. You know what's better than a praying mama? A praying grandma, all right? 90% of you are here because of Eunice and Lois, y'all. All right? Seriously. Do you, do you hear what's happening here? You hearing the theme today? How, what's a kingdom friend like? They're like a mother's love. He, he brings it up. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. I believe in it. It came to you from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure, I know for sure, I am sure it dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You got to understand, Timothy had a little bit of timidity, okay? Timid Tim. He had a little bit of like, ooh. And at one point, Paul says, take a little wine for your stomach. You're, you're, you're too stressed out. You're anxious. Straight up. It's in there. Just so you know. Gosh, just don't say it on live stream. Say it on. One day I'll, I'll grow up and save myself heartache. Yeah. Timothy was dealing with some hard stuff in Ephesus, all right? It's the hub of Artemis. It's all these Greek goddesses. It's like, it was really, there were a lot of powerful women that he didn't know what to do with. Honestly, that's what was going on. And they were trying to change the story. Like Eve came first, not Adam. They were trying to bring Greek mythology in. And he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like hiding from them and stuff. That's what theologians, you know, scholars talk about, all right? And Paul's saying, listen, I know what's inside of you. It came from your grandmother. It came from your mother. And it's inside of you. And I laid hands on you. There's a gift in you. You need to fan that thing into flame. You've got to fan in that thing into flame. Because you've not been given a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. Self-control. You know what powerlessness looks like? All these people. They don't care anything about Jesus. They don't listen to my messages. Their lives aren't changing. That's powerless talk. I'll put it in Friendship. Oh my gosh, they're so difficult to be around. They don't, man, they got issues. I can't invite them over. Oh, I can't stand it. They got so many problems. That are, that's powerlessness. You know what powerful does? It says, what do I need to do to feed them better? What do I need to do to help them out of that pit? That's powerful. Love says, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not letting go until you get right. I'm going to stay in the fight with you. That's the mother's love. That's the friendship love that Jesus is talking about. You're like, why the mother thing? Because he called us his rakam, his womb love, his mother love friends. Come on. You're like, well, God is, uh, you know, father. Yes, but God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is not a human. God is spirit. Equally represented by both genders. I had to say it. I'm a kingdom equalist. Man, Facebook is going to hate me today. I don't care. He said, fan it in a flame. Get out of the closet 
and stop being afraid of these people. Stop being powerless. Turn your love back on towards them. Break for them. You know, if you act a fool towards me, you know what happens in my heart? If you do something horrible to me, like I've had people at the door at this church threaten me on their way out to never preach like that again. My first statement to that, the most recent one, was, are you okay? It just came out of my mouth. I didn't work it up. I wasn't like, okay, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, you know? It wasn't like I had to step over a fence, you know? Because I don't have any. The only way you can have a fence is if you take it. I refuse to take the fence. And I got to step over it because I don't have one, okay? My first thought was, oh, you're not well. Not like, you know, whatever. I'm saying, you need help. I, with compassion, with love in my heart, I was like, are you okay? And the person was standing over me like this, like, it's not natural. I didn't, it wasn't a natural thing. It was supernatural. It was the Lord in me rising up. It was Christ in me, the hope of glory. I can't take credit for it. Are you hearing me? I didn't even think it up. It just happened. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not, you're not well. How can I help you? That's power. That's love. That's self-control. Instead of these people are. I was rebuked by my congregation. Stop it. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> this is one of those moments where I'm like waiting for the green light or the red light. <laughs> I don't want to say anything unless the Lord is saying it. I must, yep, feel like he's saying it. So some of you need to move past your fear of Christian leaders and understand they didn't hurt you as much as they were hurt. Hear what I'm saying to you. The only reason they hurt you is because they were in pain. Instead of complaining about them hurting you, hurt for them. Hurt for them. Turn the corner. My, I, was, I was left by my first wife. I'm sorry. I feel like I have to tell you this story. I was left by my first wife. It was terrible. Horrible. I made a covenant unto death. She walked out. Married somebody else. It hurt bad. Okay, I can't give you all the details right now. And there was a season where I was so mad at her and so hurt by her. And then the Lord said to me, Caleb, what if you hurt for her? Everything changed like that. I turned the corner from being hurt by her to hurting for her. And I was like, oh, she treated me like that because she had this pain. She did that because she was so hurting. That's the love talked about here. That's the powerful position. That's the love position. You would not be acting like that if you knew who you were. You would not be threatening me, getting in my face, telling me, don't you dare preach like that ever again if you knew who you were. And if I'm off, you'd be on your knees, not above me. You know, you would be praying for me. This is hurting for others instead of being hurt by them. This is powerful. This is how you take a powerful position. This is self-control. And you trying to control someone else is witchcraft. It's witchcraft. The essence of witchcraft is control. You've been given the spirit of self-control. That means you're the only person you can control. You're the, only person, you're the only person you're allowed to control. Come on, you're not even doing a great job of controlling you. What are you doing trying to control them? It's hard enough to control me. I ain't got no energy to control you. <laughs> right? Come on, it's kind of like this, this one thing I've seen on the internet. I think we have it. Do we have it? Yeah, it's kind of like this one thing right here. This, this reminds me of it. Right here, just watch this little fun video. We didn't do this at first. Why you by yourself? Why you by yourself? Can I help? No. I help. I don't. 
You can help when we're out to eat, okay? You can help when we are out to eat. Okay. Do, you okay. have, do you have this stuff here? Probably. He's trying to help her put her You want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? Write about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's worry it. What do you want me to do? Worry about yourself. I told you, worry about yourself. Out of the mouths of babes, he establishes strength. Worry about yourself. But they, worry about yourself. But they got all these, listen, plank in your eyes, splinter in theirs, worry about yourself. Self-control. A lot of times in church, you see, this is what happens. You see it modeled up here. You see something modeled up here, and you reproduce what you behold. It's just natural. So like your friendships, you're trying to control each other because pastors and leaders are trying to manipulate you into give, into serving, into doing all that. It's just through osmosis. It's what you see. It's what you do, you know? It's what happens, okay? So if you notice, we make intentional effort to not control you. Like, please do this. This is what we need to happen, but, you know, worry about yourself, you know? Ask the Lord what you should give and obey quickly. Worry about yourself. I'm not worried, okay? I have the spirit of self-control. You have the spirit of self-control, amen? Amen. So kingdom friendships, sacrifice for one another. They give everything they got. Seeing how you can only have a few of these, yeah? They're vulnerable with each other. They open their hearts to one another, and they also believe in each other's calling. Just like Paul believed in Timothy, he said, you can do this. Control yourself, man. You can do it. Rise up in the strength that's been placed in you and go for it. Jesus believed in his disciples. Paul believed in Timothy. I believe in you. And you need friends that will champion your call. Amen? That's why we're doing things like the family dinner. We're building in connection points. That's why we have life groups. We have new ones launching in a couple weeks. Come on. So important. You cannot get deep relationships in an hour and a half on Sunday morning sitting in those chairs. It will not happen. It's not where it happens. You with me? All kingdom friendships start with a friendship with the king. They start with a friendship with God. And if you're here and no one's ever told you that Jesus wants to be your friend, let me be the first to tell you God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. You might think you're worthless, but you've been wrong before. My Jesus says you're to die for. In fact, he did. What if you simply believe that today? That would be coming to the Lord. That would be giving your life to Jesus. And today, specifically, I feel like there are people here who do not know they have peace with God. And you should not leave without knowing you have peace with God. Specifically. I don't even care. I don't care who it is. I don't care if you've been going here. It doesn't matter. We're going to have a prayer team up here in a little bit. And they will lead you to receive that peace of God. Some of you need to start a relationship, a friendship with Jesus. Listen, specifically, some of you have been serving the Lord, calling him master, but never called him friend. And you need to start calling him friend today. So don't miss the opportunity. Would you stand? We're going to pray. And those watching online, you also, we have a team uh, we have people monitoring the Facebook feed. If you say, I want to call Jesus my friend, how do I do that? We will get in touch with you. Please do that. Put your hand on your heart and just pray with me for you. Say, 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for your womb love. I thank you for your friend love for me. The love you have for me is unbreakable. God, I pray that you would open my eyes to see that love even more so that I can love others well. Thank you, God, for kingdom friendships. God, I ask for new and, and even new and improved friends. I ask you to bring healthy relationships around me, and I ask you to make me a healthy one to have a relationship with. It starts with me. Come on, pray for yourself. It starts with me, Lord. Show me where I'm carrying something that's unhealthy. Show me where I'm carrying bitterness or things that would keep people away. Show me, Jesus, so that I can lay them down and I can let them go. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to heal me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to heal every heart. I call in those who don't know you today to come to the altar and meet you in prayer. I ask for a mighty, rushing wind of love, of friendship to hit Tampa Bay, that we would not just serve you, Lord, but we would know you. We would not just serve each other, but know each other, that we would be real, vulnerable, open, and we would sacrifice. We would believe in one another. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, say amen.